Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Cloud Wars Live. We are digging into the digital revolution and the impact it's had on every facet of our lives, personal, professional, in between. Is there a gap in some ways between our personal and our professional lives anymore in this new and very different June of 2021? We've got a, a dear friend, great thinker, high achiever, adventurer, entrepreneur, Christian Anschutz is with us to talk about some of the aspects of leadership that he's come across and that he sees and the role that it plays today. Christian, welcome back to Cloud Wars Live. Oh, always a pleasure to be here and good to see you again, as always. Thank you, my friend. Thank you. And again, I know we, we've talked about it before, but that is quite the office. That is a nice, is it an office or a little bit of a playroom office? Well, the best rooms are, you know, work and play, right? Isn't actually, isn't that at the, the, the best environment that we could try and build our companies to be, right? Where you go to work and have fun at the yeah. same time. God, what a novel concept. <laughs> no, it looks good. Looks great. Uh, Christian, I know. Um, so for, I'm sure a lot of people know, but for others, you've, you've been a CIO, but you always considered yourself more uh an entrepreneur, a business person who also happened to have a facility with technology. But you had an interesting thought today about right the, the challenges or obstacles that people encounter. And if they really are honest and dig into them, uh, they can try to describe them in terms of technology. But you feel that technology isn't always up near the top of that, the, the real issues that people have to wrestle with. No, they're, they're almost never. Uh, the, the, the right issue, uh, issues to be wrestling with. I mean, let's, let's, let's be candid. I mean, the, uh, I, I got a saying and I, and I probably overuse it. I might have used it once here already. And if so, and I'm repeating myself, I apologize, but I'm so enamored with the, the fun of it and the accuracy that I'll say it again. I've got 99 problems and tech ain't one. It's almost never a technology issue, folks, that you're company is struggling with, it's usually a people problem. And I, I'll prove it to you. Tell me if this joke rings a little bit too true. The best way to make someone love a, an old system, technology system, IT system, if you will, is to introduce a new one. And we all know that sadly, there's a lot of truth to that. And, uh, and is that a tech issue? Or is that more of a people issue? I don't know, uh, Bob, what do you think? I mean, is, is, do we still live in a land where we primarily do, uh, you know, silver bullet hunts where the, the, the silver bullet is technology is somehow going to save our business? I mean, I was just inter, uh, interacting with a, a large manufacturer that's well near spending, I don't know, $750 million on an ERP over years. I mean, they're implementing their newest legacy today. <laughs> I mean, right. this is... I, again, I got 99 problems and tech ain't one there. That is all about change management and change leadership and, and not wanting to pull the Band-Aid off abruptly and cause that pain that they're going to have anyway and just kind of move on to new systems, new processes, new capabilities, and then do what they're supposed to be doing, which is, oh, I know, focusing on the customer. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. Well, Chris, yeah, we, we do have a facility. I'm just looking around to see if I can spot this card, but my uh, my older daughter several years ago on um, my birthday gave me a card and it shows sort of a caveman type guy and he's holding a big club and there's a rock on the ground and a few feet away from the rock there's a, a hole in the ground I was going to call it a gopher hole but I don't know if the gophers were around in the you know Pleistocene days but but the guy is thinking and he says hmm if I could 
hit this ball with this stick, it might go in that hole. It's about golf, but the, the caption says how man learned to swear, uh, right? <laughs> you know, blame the blame this, blame that, but you know, just some other part of it. But uh, Chris, and then the, the intensity that technology has now in our lives, again, the personal, professional, and the uh, overlap of those today, it could be something that more and more it, it spills over into just about anything we do if we choose to allow that to become, you know, the thing or the issue or the complaint that, that dominates our, our thinking. Well, I, you know, for, for the technologists out there, and, and I often come off very sounding quite critical of technologists and, and, uh, and actually most of the time I am actually, I, I, I find most technologists are, are, are focused on technology. Okay. Makes sense. Right. Um, but when you get up in the, the, the top tiers of what it takes to run a business and you happen to be the technology leader for a business, what, what are you really supposed to be focused on? I mean, aren't, aren't we really only supposed to be focused on, okay, first, explicitly, and we talked about this the last time, really the market and the customers that make up the segments in your, in your market, okay? But that aside from a, that, let's just set that aside for a moment and not too far aside. Look, it, it's all about revenue. It's about prof profitability. It's about risk. And so when you get these top technology executives and, the, and they're struggling with articulating, you know, the value and yet of, of what they do and they spend all their time like implementing that system or implementing that other system. And when you simply turn around and you ask them a question like, okay, explain to me how what you're doing is contributing to the earnings, even the growth of the quality of the earnings for the, the, the company. And they look at you and they're like, well, oh, I never really thought about it that way. And then you understand why we have these problems. Again, it's this, it's this silver bullet uh, hunt for technology to solve, you know, whatever ails the business or create a new capability. And in reality, you got to start the other way. You got to not start with the technology. How are you driving the business? How are you measuring the success in that business? How is the technology that you're implementing and otherwise propelling you towards those specific goals? And if you can't have that conversation, then you're having all the wrong ones at least in my opinion. And Christian, your background, right, went from a, you know, a global advertising agency to a global safety firm. So you're not just seeing this from a limited perspective, because I imagine there's some people might hear that and say, yeah, well, you know, in whatever business you're in, that might be true. But over where I am, you know, it's technology first, second, and third. Uh, yeah, so I, I mean, I talked to, yeah, though, though that is my background, and I, I have the uh, distinct pleasure, and I get to work with a, a lot of different companies, uh, and uh, whether they're the, the, the CEOs or the CDOs, the CIOs, uh, I, I, I have a nice uh, spectrum of, of individuals I get to talk to, and, and just some fantastic leaders at some, some great companies. We talked about one of the CEOs in the, in the last session, as a matter of fact, and one that really kind of, if you remember, uh, taught me really kind of a couple nice lessons there in, in my conversation with them. But the, the, the reality is, is it doesn't matter the industry that you're in, it, I, from a high-tech company, uh, which uh, I'll never name any of these. It's just, it's unimportant anyway to sort of for traditional, uh, you know, retailer, they, these, the, a lot of the challenges are the same. And it comes down to the fact that it's, it's, it's not about the technology. It's, it's about the people. 
again, it sounds so cliche and it sounds so obvious. And I, I'm sure people could tune out right now and go, thank you, Captain Obvious, for telling me what I always already knew. But then why don't we act a little bit differently? I mean, why are we, why do we, why do we make some of these investments? I mean, I'll give you a, a, a great example. I mean, not that long ago, a couple of years ago, I was talking to a group of CISOs and they were just basically saying, stop, stop selling me any more tools. I can't implement the ones I already have. It's not like the need wasn't there. It wasn't like they were uh, secure enough. I mean, you know, for crying out loud, we can just read the news of every single day and these companies are getting you know knocked down by uh, the various attacks, but they just, they, they, they have more capacity to buy than they have to implement. They have more capacity to consume than they have uh, capacity for people to adjust to the changes in their, their work uh, experiences. And, you know, we, it, companies do this again and again and again. They, they, they make these investments and the, the last thing they think about is the impact first to their customers and then secondarily to the internal burden of their, their colleagues. I mean, for crying out loud, how many different organizations have you talked to yourself where you have, um, you know, a significant portion of any person's time in an organization is clicking buttons and moving from one process to the next and, and, and all in the sake of automation and efficiency. Uh, does that sound familiar at all? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, uh, you know, some leaders in that company, then I, I'm always intrigued when they say, oh, yeah, and then there's another unrelated thing. We have a hard time keeping people, right? Our attrition rate is high. And say, really? <laughs> but, they, and, but the, you know, they're not seeing it. Well, that's just, that's just the job. That's the nature of work today. But uh, instead of jumping beyond that, to how do you get those people in a situation where they can contribute more, be involved more, uh, drive new ideas, you know, be a part of the dazzle the customer team instead of, you know, push the buttons, keep the process going, count the pieces type. Uh, uh, Chris and I, I'm just, I, I just uh, am, am baffled still, but it, you know, it comes back to something else. One of your major issues that you talk about, right, is trust. And you've always spoken eloquently about that. I was on a uh, sort of a, an interesting roundtable conversation earlier today, and there were some executives from some of the top financial institutions in Europe, and hmm. we were talking about the impact, potential impact of industry clouds in that market, and they all sort of seemed like, you know, it could be fun, but the thing they kept coming back to was, will these tech vendors try to use these new pretty cool tools as one more way to lock me in to that uh, that vendor's way of doing business. See, right? Is this just another uh, piece of flypaper here that they're sticking out for me? So your 99 problems and tech ain't one of them. It's, it's uh, really what they were talking about it had nothing to do with technology and it was trust. You know, when you push your level of trust up high enough, then you want to talk to me about some cool new thing. I'm all ears, but until then, I'm going to be very wary because you've left, too many questions in my head about why is this company doing this? Well, so I, it, it's interesting tones here. So first of all, so one of the problems of the, so 99 problems and teching one, the one uh, could sometimes be uh, tech entanglement. Not like, not like these vendors are any good at say selling you something that once you implement it, you can't get yourself out of. Mm -hmm. 
that none of these uh, uh, vendors would ever do such a thing like that. Uh, in fact, there's some amazingly good business models out there that uh, actually create, uh, you know, really deep and, and uh, uh, amazing entanglement. Uh, you know, I don't know, uh, can't think of any off the top of my head, but, uh, you know, um, but, you know, look, what it, what it comes down to, though, is we, we could talk about tech and the problems and the challenges and whatnot in invariably, though. When you are introducing technology, especially when you go and you say, hey, look, you know, we're really, we don't want to take like the old processes and just try and automate them. We got to make them better processes so that we're automating the right stuff, that we're, we're making things actually better. That's, does that, by the way, that makes sense, doesn't it? If someone were to say that, instead of automating like the old analog process, let's, let's change the process fundamentally and automate that which should be automated and get rid of that which we can Hey, that makes perfect sense. To the person that's in that process, though, that's code for you are changing how I'm working. You are fundamentally altering what I do when I sit down behind my computer in the morning or I drive into work, maybe sometime soon, and, uh, and, and, and climb into my office or cubicle. And there begins your main challenge. You know, I, I, one of the things we could do actually is, um, you know, with your, your good friend, Christopher Lockhead, and of course I have a background in this as well. You know, companies do a lot of change management. They do it in the form of corporate communications, which is basically, I'm just going to send more stuff out via email, which you will delete before you actually read, even if it comes from the CEO, by the way. Um, they actually, companies would do a lot better job if they realize that I got 99 problems in tech ain't one and start doing, here it is, internal marketing. Start taking some of the, the really true proven practices that change entire markets perceptions over an idea, over a product, around a brand, and apply those same disciplines internally so that you can say, for example, motivate your workforce to aspire to be different, aspire to be better, understand that they're a part of that future that is different and better. And then, you know, uh, uh, tackle the complex uh, and difficult challenges that they'll all have together as you maneuver into new business models or even to the point, adopt a new technology. But it'd be nice to see a little bit more uh, emphasis on internal marketing as opposed to sort of tone deaf corporate communications, which a lot of firms seem to have, you know, a lock on. Yes. Yes, uh, yeah, and uh, I, I think they are the people behind that the T-shirt with the slogan. You know, um, the uh, beatings will continue until morale improves. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, and and I, I would suspect, folks, all of the listeners out there, uh, and just to, between you and I, uh, Bob, I think we're, I think we're going to actually see some pretty big morale hits right now because there's a fundamental change coming right now and that is it's time to go back to the physical workplace for for some maybe many maybe most uh in fact it will be most i mean we already know that only a subset of our population has actually benefited from this work remote which is often forgotten but even those remote workers are going to be largely returning to uh you know returning to the workplace i mean look at look at what google said google's like we got to have people in the office right and I think that these changes, we, we, we shouldn't just go into them blindly. We should understand how people, what people think about them, how they feel about them, um, and, and harness 
what's good and otherwise uh, try and get past the things that aren't so good. But there's going to be mixed emotions about this. And, uh, and I think we should have our, uh, uh, we should be quite busy trying to understand the best way to uh, encourage people to uh, maintain either the momentum that they, they, they had or, or were, had going. Like uh, I think I, I mentioned uh, a great bank example that I, I ran into a few months ago um, uh, or build the momentum that they don't have. But there's, there, there, I think there's going to be some interesting change elements with this returning back to the physical workplace that companies are going to want to consider. Uh, Christian, I agree. You know, there's um, uh, some studies as well indicating, and maybe this is part of that, uh, you know, this unknown that looms ahead of us when all of this back to the office thing starts to happen, um, that, you know, there are some studies that show that in this calendar year, so what, today is day one of June, so there's seven months to go, um, that uh, over 40% of, I think it's knowledge workers in the United States intend to change jobs this year. So in these seven months, 40%. Now is some of that driven by what we've all been through the last year? Is it a concern about what the next seven, 19, 26 months are going to bring and so forth like that? But uh, this is one where, uh, you know, this issue of leadership, what is it that people at the top of the companies are thinking about how they choose to communicate this internal marketing that you're describing. Are they over communicating over marketing to their people internally so that everybody feels like, okay, I might not like every part about what happens when I do go back to the office, but at least I understand it now. My, uh, my opinion is being solicited. My input is being requested for, you know, how is this going to work? How will this happen? Or is it just going to be something that, you know, plunk, you know, here's the 100 page manual for return to work, memorize it and live by it. Yeah, you know, that's, I had not heard that uh, 40% of our, uh, is this, is this United States then I take it? Yes. Yes. You know, I, I hadn't heard that. And yet, uh, I will go back a couple episodes and just repeat one thing really quickly to no matter who you research, please go to everybody, go to letmegoogledis.com, all right, and look at the percentage of the workforce in the United States that is either actively disengaged or just simply not engaged, okay, and it's the preponderance of the workforces, and so I guess it shouldn't be surprising that maybe 40% would say, hey, I got to find my greener pastures elsewhere, and maybe maybe this emergence from uh, the COVID crisis is, is impetus for people to say, hey, I I, I, I now can or should or whatever the reason, but I guess maybe we shouldn't be surprised by that. But the only thing that surprises me by that is that most companies are going to go, oh, that's not me. Uh, that's somebody else. That's that other 40%. I mean, there's just a complete, when did companies and executive leadership teams become so sort of like lack any kind of really meaningful introspection? I mean, this disengagement problem this is a nationwide thing that affects most companies, not some, but most, meaning more than 50% of the companies. And yet it seems just so like, holy cow, um, shocker. And yeah. by the way, Bob, I'm not sure, but the last time I checked, uh, losing and, and then having to rehire an employee is, uh, what do we, what's that word for that? Oh, expensive. It's expensive to do that, right? And so, uh, you know, this is, this is penny-wise pound foolishness again. But hey, let's go buy another IT system or do, better yet, let's reorganize. Uh -huh. 
I love that. Let's reorganize because reorganization is, you know, that's, that's how we fix this. Right. Right. And it, <laughs> hey, Christian, I, uh, I want to ask you this. There's, a, it's, I think this is just a fascinating story about that interplay between technology, people, behavior, back and forth. And this one goes in a direction I haven't quite um, heard about before. So, um, the you know the very high flying, fast growing snowflake, right? You know, it's a just incredible job. They've been disrupted in that business. They're creating some cool new stuff, and in doing so, they're also forcing a lot of the larger incumbents in some of those areas with you know data storage data clouds also to innovate more rapidly so i think overall it's a great thing but their um their ceo frank slootman in the last earnings call he's a fairly buttoned down sort of guy you know he's not coming in cracking wise and all this stuff but in his opening comments um he was saying you know uh for years decades he said uh workers have been and companies have been looking for ways to unlock the power of data to be able to access all the data they have to be able you don't have to be you know a, a data scientist to be able to do some what ifs all those things we've heard about and he said well we're bringing some of those tools to market so he said this has been sort of intoxicating was the word he used for some companies and some people he said they just sort of wow, I have these tools, I've always wanted them, now I have them, and he said they just use them all day long. Well, that gets to be pretty expensive. So he said, in a way, that's good for us, they're using more of our stuff, then their companies or the employers come back to us and say, hey, you know, you're gonna, <laughs> this is great, but you know, you're gonna bankrupt us. So then, according to Slootman, he said, uh, so Snowflake has had to go in and create some management tools that put the brakes on how much stuff how much, how many analytical queries and so on that people can do during the day. So is the first time I've heard of this, at least on the enterprise side, that this, this, uh, this techno narcotic is so addictive that they've got to now, uh, companies are buying it up because they want to have it. Then they've got to buy another piece that comes in and puts a braking system on it. So is this one of, does this, you know, elevate, technology into your 99 list or is this the human behavior end well it's the intersection of the two right so you know snowflake's not the first one to have this problem and without naming any companies because i just like to avoid doing that because by the way any single company has got good and bad to it pretty much i mean I, I can't think of any that's all good or even necessarily any that are all bad but there's plenty of great companies out there that have uh, created a, a basically a digital crack model, right? You know, it's like, uh, I'm gonna, you know, sell you this. And then the more you use, the more, you know, the here, here's for all your technology uh, uh, listeners here. Does the word true up mean anything to you? <laughs> so when you true up at the end and you're like, oh my God, I got 5,000 more people using that. And I got another $15 million bill coming due. Um, you know, you, you, you got a problem there. And so organizations, the business models that kind of create this, this, this need, right. Or, or excuse me, they're addressing an otherwise perceived unmet need, but they create a solution set that addresses that need that is very easy to use, very uh, compelling. And then people start using it and your chart, your, your model is to charge on a transactional basis, or I think you said number of queries or whatever, and the product is that good. Well, then the business will follow. So that's what I would say from a snowflake perspective is called a quality problem from the uh, from the business side, the scene, their sky, the cost skyrocket. 
well, they might have a different problem, but ensuring that your people have the tools in order to explore what you can do with this valuable resource, which is data, cutting back on that probably isn't a good idea either. So maybe you have to find some other trade-offs. I'm not saying just continue to throw endless amounts of money at Snowflake without some kind of idea of how your people are generating a return for your customers, but don't just go turning it off simply because they're using it. Make sh- Start doing some investigation. I mean, these are great opportunities to kind of explore and ideate even with your workforce. What are you using it? What do you see? What are the opportunities? What are the problems you're solving? What's the customer value you're potentially creating? Heck, you know, fully explored and with an enterprise's weight put behind some of those. Um, you know, you could pay for your investment in a company like Snowflake, you know, overnight. Yeah. yeah. By the way, in full disclosure, I do not own any stock with Snowflake. I am simply responding uh, ad hoc to the question by Bob Evans. I will get back in a second, Chris, and why I thought that was so important and so interesting. But first, a word from our sponsor, BMC. BMC wants to know, is your business on its A-game? That's when systems are intelligent by learning from markets, where automation is paramount yet effortless, and when technology and people work as one in an enterprise. The A-game is your business at its absolute best. BMC calls this the autonomous digital enterprise. Find out more at bmc.com slash A-game. So Christian, I, uh, I, I'm glad you uh, expanded on that a little bit because I think it really does get down to that nub of your point. You know, it isn't the technology problem, right? Every company today is talking about, we've got to get our hands around our data. We've got to become more data-driven. We need to create new products and services that are on data and the insights and move faster and do better things for our customers, all of that good stuff. And certainly there's technology companies and technology tools lining up to help those companies do that. But, you know, can you get that pendulum right? Is there a clear enough mandate coming down from leadership in the companies and a good enough two-way dialogue with their people to say, okay, because we give you some of this, you know, doesn't mean it's a, it's a 10 hour a day, six day a week obsession for you. Uh, and, you know, how do you get that conversation going around? What are those gems we're looking for? What is the right amount of usage? Because I think with some of these new uh, additional types of AI powered tools, some of these industry specific stuff, the way that more of these tech vendors are able to say, oh yeah, we can, we can access where you allow it, any sorts of data from any sort of data store, no matter which vendor's stuff it sits on or in, this is gonna be happening a lot more. So I think your overarching point here, but don't complain about the technology because that isn't the issue. The issue is, you know, what's the priorities? What's the leadership? What's the model we're driving toward? And does everybody understand her or his particular responsibilities? as clearly as they need to. Well, let me just paint the picture uh, sort of using tactical elements that uh, lead up to a strategic issue. So guess what? You have a a bunch of people through uh, a a company that maybe has grown through acquisition or just simply has had a, a, a lot of different leaders over time. So you have a lot of different systems, a lot of people using those systems. Uh, you have every intention of uh, modernizing, let's call it rationalizing the portfolio. It's a favorite term that people want to use, but you never really truly get to it. And so you just grow more and you acquire more and you get new leaders and then they, it expands and expands and, and uh, the work of sort of managing the, the, the workforce to their greatest ability doesn't actually really get done because you don't want to do the hard work of, you know, rationalizing the, the 
processes that are going to create the value, the greatest value for your market. So you just kind of let it pile up, pile up and pile up and you increase this, this debt, you increase this overhead, right? And then everybody's working in their respective silos. They're relatively happy being unhappy with the systems and the technology that they have. But then someone comes in from the outside. It's a, it's an amazing vendor. You add the name to it. We all know them. And there's way more than Snowflake, which you're use, I'm using your example. And they come in from the side and they basically say, without saying it, your internal capability just don't give you what you need. You can't connect that data with that data with that data, build the relationships because in data, that's what it's all about, right? Is the building the relationships uh, between data sets and, and making new discoveries. You can't do that internally. So come to us and we'll do it for you. So the, part of it is to organizations need to take a step back and go, okay, what are we not doing? What are we not enabling our workforce with that is making them want to behave in such a fashion that they are consuming such mass quantities of this product or that product or this service or that service. I mean, we, again, some point of honest introspection is kind of useful. I, I actually don't know how um, we can really call ourselves leaders if we aren't very introspective and understand why we do or don't do what we do or don't do. Yeah. And Kristen, that natural tendency to say if, if um, it does play out that 40% of employees in the next seven months plan to change jobs, knowledge workers in the U.S., but every uh, executive who hears that says, phew, thank goodness I'm in the 60% because that won't happen to my company. Yeah, yeah it's, it's, always, it's, you know, it's always a battle of us versus them, and for some reason the them is always whatever's bad. <laughs> it's uh, them that have the problem with regards to engagement rights. It's them that have, uh, you know, this problem. They're building their future legacy right now. That's them that are doing that. As far as we're concerned, I'm all good. By the way, it's funny how that actually aligns to all this, the, the, the root of the change issues within organizations, because this is how it works in every single company that is trying to do a major transformation, right? Of which... 70 to 84% of these things fail, depending on who you listen to, say, for example, you know, maybe a, a McKinsey or somebody, but that's kind of the range of these failures. And it goes like this. It's like, hey, oh, we're going to change. Oh, we're going to do this better. And oh, this is so good. We, we need this so bad. All right. We're good over here, but make sure you fix those folks over there because they really, really can make it harder on me. So thank you. Thank you for leading this change effort. What, what we really need. We'll fix them. <laughs> Again, we, 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 we're seldom sort of honest enough to go, hey, look, this is a journey. You know, we could even talk about this at a national level, right? This is a journey that we need to kind of embrace one another, lock arms and move forward together on, uh, as opposed to in a, in, a, in a secular fashion and going, hey, it's just them over there that they, they need to go through the digital transformation because, you know, we're already digital or whatever yeah. it is. Yeah, we've got, we're different. We're special, we're unique. Um, so Christian, so final thing I want to ask you about, if you have a CEO uh, who board of directors that say to you, so Christian, I want to flip the mindset in the company about 99 problems, tech ain't one of them. Because my company right now seems to think every problem's tech related. What are two or three things that you tell those people, here's where to get started. Here's how to start reorienting your thinking to be able to look at this stuff candidly, honestly, and effectively. Oh boy. You know, you can't ask that kind of question at the end here. Cause this is like, this is kind of the gist of the whole thing, by the way. And this is, you know, if you were ever going to 
conceive of renaming it Cloud Wars or something else. Um, it should be something along the lines of what we're going to talk about. Hey, look, folks, there are two primary processes that distinguish the great companies from everybody else. And those processes are strategy and governance. And the companies that are exceptional at that are the ones that lead time and time again. And then there's everybody else, right? And that's why the average is so huge, right? And, and it's because, you know, they just don't do strategy and governance. And by the way, why do governance? It sounds too close to government. Oof, yuck. And it means I have to say no to people. It means I can't spread the peanut butter of resources across. And so let me be vague on the strategy. Let me just create some hyperbolic, you know, in, uh, strategic aspirations. Like we're going to grow faster than the market. And then we'll just kind of allocate monies out to the, the lines of business based on political infighting. And then we'll be great. No, actually, then you're just average. You're just very, very average because that's what the average firms do. So if you, if you want to be different, if you want to be exceptional, you start with your strategy. You get real about governance and making hard decisions based on those things that are going to advance your strategic goal and the satisfaction of the most important thing out there, which is the markets and the segments that you serve. And then you do not ignore for, not for a second, that culture and leadership need to be part of uh, your strategy and they need to be considered uh, thoroughly as you're uh, governing your resources and, and, and therefore meaning you also invest in your people, the very people that are gonna execute uh, your path forward. And so that's how I would start. Uh, and that, in a very strange fashion seems to actually make everything else just a little bit easier down to the point where we're going to invest in this technology or not and if we are this is what we're expecting to get from it right because there's a clear line between your strategy which you're investing in which is the governance you're making those hard decisions and your government your governance mechanisms say i'm doing this because of this outcome and so we're all going to be on board to do this and we're not going to do a hundred things. We're only going to do a few of them because that's good strategy. Right. You know, and we're going to, we're going to nail them, <sighs> but we all know that's not actually how it works most of the time. Yeah. And, uh, but that, I think, does that answer your question or did I kind of bounce? No, 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 Chris and I, and I wrote down strategy and governance. That could be uh, an, an episode all on its own there. But uh, I, I think, you know, a lot of companies, a lot of leaders, I think their heads are probably spinning right now. Everything's in flux with what they do and how they do it. Then they hear something about 25 to 30, 40, 50% of their people could leave. Their customers are saying, I don't want to do business with you the way I've done for the last five or 10 or 15 or 30 years. I want to do it this way. How do I get there? What happens? You know, my industry's shifting. I used to be over here and now I'm kind of in this space. It's moving back and so as everything changes, I think a lot of people are trying to figure out where do I dig in? Where do I plant some roots on a, a direction that is going to allow me to thrive in this era of you know, constant and fairly significant disruption? So I think with your points about uh, strategy and governance, I think you've uh, you know, sort of knocked the uh, lid off of that for an interesting future discussion. I would just add one thing, though, what precedes strategy, though, is really kind of understanding the external business environment, 
right? So you really got to understand the markets and understand the segments in the market and understand some really kind of like, it's a very cliche, you know, there's a segment in every market, but not a market in every segment. I mean, you, you got to know, you got to have the obsessive compulsion to chase down these unmet needs, you know, otherwise unaddressed needs and figure out then the strategy to, um, you know, otherwise address those. And when you do that, I mean, good things happen. But again, this is the stuff companies say they do that. Uh, and let's go back in time, just one episode where uh, so many companies spend all this time saying, well, you understand the customer and um, you have to understand that you probably don't understand your customers as well as you should. You really need to invest yourselves and your people into doing that. And you have to understand the markets change and people lie. You can't just ask the people what it is that they, they need. They won't often tell you that, right? You actually have to do something uh, a little bit more uh, in depth. You have to have a, apply a little bit more empathy and you have to really come to an understanding that often comes through good market analysis, which includes things like, for example, observation. Mm -hmm. These things, you know, it, there's, there's multiple things that you have to do. It can't just be strategy and governance, but from a key process uh, perspective, those are the two you really got to nail. All right. All right. Well, Christian, thank you. It is, it's always a treat uh, uh, getting to hear some of your interesting high-level ideas. You make them sound fairly simple, not easy to do, but simple, right? Just don't get caught up in the clutter. These are the things to focus on. Yeah, well, again, 99 problems in tech ain't one. It's actually a simple thing to say. It seems a little bit uh, trite. It, the, the biggest challenge we have is almost invariably and always ourselves and uh, the people we work for and work with. You know, it's, it's, it's people challenge. Don't ignore them, folks. Don't ignore yourself. Don't ignore your people. Pay due attention, please. Christian, I think it was that uh, the comic strip Pogo, uh, I don't know, 30, 40 years ago, but the, one of the characters in there, we have met the enemy and it is us. In fact, that is true. Some of these old adages are shockingly accurate still. <laughs> they hold up pretty well, pretty well. <laughs> Well, thank you, my friend. Great to see you, Christian. Thank you so much and uh, look forward to talking again sometime soon. All right. We've got a lot of good ideas coming out of today that we'll follow up on. And folks, to all of you, thank you for joining us here on Cloud Wars Live. Hope uh, the beginning of summer is starting off well for you. And we look forward to seeing you again soon. So long. <laughs>